Us bowls. Good morning. <clears throat> Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, we just ask that right now you will soften our hearts in order to hear your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are sometimes just statements you come up against in life that are just difficult to accept, aren't there? In fact, I think on a day like today, in a place like this, especially where we're located, you, you get this. Uh, let me throw out a statement to you. It might be a little hard. I hope that Tom Brady and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. <laughs> See, you get it. You get it, okay? Now, if that one thought could settle in your heart, you'd probably watch the Super Bowl a little bit differently, wouldn't you? Because for, for many, oh, Steve Vanderwerd over there, he, he gets it. He's got that Patriot shirt on right now, but you'd, you'd there it is. Steve, you can come preach, actually. Oh, um, what, but we'd watch differently, wouldn't we? For most of us, we're probably going to either not watch it this afternoon or you know, watch for three hours with hands clenched and jaw clenched and wonder why we're so sore afterwards. Okay, let me, let me try another statement. This is one I came up against last week. Double stuff Oreos are the perfect ratio of cookie to cream filling. I have... I have held that for years in my life. I, I've known not to deviate from that. When I try the regular Oreos, you've heard this, those are diet, to be honest. Those are diet Oreos. <laughs> but a, couple, a few weeks ago, Christiana um, sent me a message. She said, have you seen this? And Oreo has come out with a new version of Oreo called the Most Stuff Oreos. And it is four layers so it's a double-double stuff is what it is. It's an Oreo. You've eaten a club sandwich before. You can't even get your mouth around it. That's what these are. Well, I thought, whoa. No, Nathan, you know double stuff is the right ratio. And then I come in one morning, one Sunday morning, before I'm going to preach, and there is a pack of Oreo, the most stuff Oreos on my desk from David Perez. And I'm not sure if he was trying to kill me or what, but... Later that afternoon, because I don't dare eat one of those before I get up to preach, because I don't know what would come out of my mouth, uh, I took a bite of one of these things. And the cream filling was just kind of like oozing out. And I thought, whoa, I might have to change that statement that I've agreed with, that double stuff is the right ratio, until my left arm started tingling. <laughs> and my vision got blurry, and my knees were shaky, and I went, okay. Some statements we just have to find out for ourselves. Well, there's another one of these statements at the end of Romans chapter 11. Let me read this to you. Paul, who wrote the letter to the Romans, says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. If that one statement were to settle into my heart and settle into your heart, I bet we'd walk through life a little bit differently. I bet we would look at what's going on around us in life and we would maybe interpret it a little bit differently. But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard because when I look around at life, a lot of the time, something I can do, something I have, something I want has been affected. And it's really, really hard to look around and go, oh God, I see, I see the depths of the riches of your wisdom and knowledge. In fact, most of the time we look around and we question. And so we pray in such a way as this. We say, God, change that situation, change that thing, change them. 
And it's, it's difficult, but it's a natural reaction to looking around at life and feeling affected by life. And God, how could you let this happen? And so we pray. We pray for things to change and we pray for answers because we don't see a purpose in what's going on around us. And we don't see the riches of his wisdom and his knowledge around us. And then Paul points out exactly why this is so hard. He continues and says, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. In a day and age where we can search anything, Paul says, but there are some things you just won't be able to search the answer to. Because you cannot Google your way to the mending of a broken heart. And you cannot WebMD somebody's behavior. And you cannot Google your way to changing a situation or circumstances. And that gets really, really hard. And Paul, knowing this, you know what he does? Like a good friend, like a close friend, he asks a couple of perspective-giving questions. Look at what he says. He, He quotes Isaiah in verse 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Paul says, did God, did God call you and ask for your counsel? Did he ask how you would do it? And we'd all say no, because <laughs> I wouldn't have done it this way. And he continues, out of Job, he quotes this, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Paul says, is God indebted to you or to me? Have we given him so much that he somehow is running in a deficit to us that he owes us? To which we'd all say, well, no. And what Paul's doing here is, is it can feel kind of hard and it feel harsh, but Paul is adjusting our perspective on what we see in front of us. And he says in verse 36, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Think about that. For from him and through him and for him are all things. All things. Even Tom Brady. (laughs) Even the Patriots. Did I lose you there? Here, let me see if I can get you back. All right. Even double stuff Oreos. We could close in prayer right there if you ask me. Even your purpose and my purpose in life. All things are from him, through him, and for him. For what? For the glory, for his glory. But you know what happened is somewhere along the line, we stopped giving him that glory. We stopped giving him the glory. And Paul, actually, this comes at the end of Romans chapter 11. For the first 11 chapters of Romans, do you know what Paul is doing? He's pointing out that at some point, we shifted the glory off of God and onto something else. And the things that God created to give him glory, we started glorifying those things. Or we started partaking in things that didn't glorify God. And so the beginning of Romans is really about the wrath of God. And we understand this. If we had gone out of our way to set up a feast and invite people and they got to the feast and they decided to glorify the food, or the party favors, or the people there, we'd be upset, because that wasn't the point of throwing the feast. And Paul says, 
that incurred God's wrath. And yet, out of the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, God came up with a plan. God came up with a plan that said, guess what? Somebody's got to pay. Someone has to pay for this deviation from the plan. And out of the depth of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge, you know what he said? He said, I'll pay. God said, I'll pay. I'll give my son. And he will pay the price once and for all. And Romans transitions from the wrath of God to the grace of God. And Paul is holding up the grace of God and not just the grace of God, the faithfulness of God and the majesty of God. And so that when he arrives at the end of Romans chapter 11, he says, you want to know what the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God is? It's that he paid the price on our behalf. And he came up with a plan that even though our purpose deviated from his purposes for his glory, he said, there's a second chance. There's another chance for the purpose of your life and my life to be for his glory. And it's in light of that that he says what he says next. Having said that it's not about our plans and our glory, it's about his plans and his glory. And so we have a second chance. Paul says what he says at the beginning of chapter 12. Therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy of that second chance to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul says, in view of the mercy that has come from God, well, I have a purpose to give glory for God, to give worship for God. Now that's, that's difficult because you know what, did you notice what he said there? We're a living sacrifice. That means that when you go to the altar, when you put your life up there on the altar, he's given this visual and say, look, God, my life for your purposes and your glory, he says, well, you're a living sacrifice. And you, you know what that means is that we keep trying to jump off the altar because we go, oh, God, no, I know a better way. So let me run over here and try this. Or there's a squirrel. So I just want to go chase the squirrel for a little bit and not worry about your purposes. So how do you stay on the altar? Paul says, well, I'll tell you how you stay on the altar. Verse two of Romans chapter 12. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what patterns do, especially the patterns of the world? I, I, I used to have a lawn care business, and so this is free lawn care advice for you, okay? How many of you mow your lawn? I don't mean right now, but if you are right now, I want to know what you're doing with your yard. Anyway, uh, we, chances are we all have a certain way certain direction that we like to mow our yard because it's maybe the most efficient, maybe it looks the best, maybe it just goes the fastest. But you know what we do? Is we mow it one way at the beginning of the year and it's real, real easy to the next week say, oh, I'm just going to mow it that same direction again. I want to save time. It looks best. And then the third week, we mow that exact same direction again. What happens to your grass when you mow in the exact same tracks over and over and over? Well, you develop, you develop ruts and you develop well-worn paths that the next time you go to mow, it's, it's nearly impossible for the wheels of the mower not to fall into those tracks. Paul says, you want to know what the pattern of the world is? 
is to put you in a rut. Because somewhere along the line, the pattern of the world made us think that from us and through us and for us are all things for our glory. And Paul says, no, no, that's not how it works. You've got to renew your mind, renew your thinking about not just your lawn, about your life. And what does it do? In the implication of that, what he says happens, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is when I have renewed my mind, when I have aligned my ways with God's ways for his purposes, for his glory, then I can experience the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. What Paul's really trying to say here is that we need to rethink our being in light of his being. We need to rethink our being in light of his being. We have a good friend who works at a high-end restaurant here in town, and it's a very high-end restaurant. Many, many people come in there, and he, he was taken back one night. He was talking to us. He said, I'm taken back by how much, how oftentimes people think that everything revolves around them. I'm trying to serve them a meal, and the way they go about asking for something to be changed, it's fine to ask for something to be changed. But people can be really, really rude, and people can get really, really angry. And so one morning, one morning before the restaurant opened, you know what he did? He decided to go into the bathroom. He went to every mirror in the bathroom, and he wrote something on a little sign, and he taped it right in the middle of the mirror so that when people would look in the mirror they would get this message. And he put it in the men's restroom, he put it in the women's restroom, and it said this, objects in mirror are smaller than they appear. <laughs> objects in mirror are smaller than they appear. And to be honest, that is a reminder I need every single day. Because I can start to think, and I can wake up every day thinking, today is from me, and it's through me, and it's for me, and it's about my glory. And God says, objects in mirror are smaller than they appear. Paul says, having adjusted that perspective of ourselves, there's something else we need to consider. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 12 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So if we were to use Paul's language here, you know what Paul is saying? We're drunk. We are drunk. It's a short path to drunkenness for us. We're drunk with greed. We're drunk with our own glory. We're drunk with anger. We're drunk with pride. We're drunk with power. We're drunk with self-centeredness. And anytime we get into that mindset of thinking, Paul says, you know what you'll think in terms of? Is what they owe me and what God owes me. Paul says, a renewal of the mind. We don't think like that anymore. He says, rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul says, I want you to shift from what they owe me to what God gave me. I want us to move from what I think those who have offended me owe me, what God owes me, to what God gave me. And he expands on that in verse 6. Sorry, verse, uh, verse four, jumping back. For just as each of us has one body with many members, 
And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Did you know that you belong to every other single person in this room? Did you know that? That means that you and I, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to discover the part of the body we are. What is our function? Because just as your own body, if, if one part's not working, the rest of the body can't function to its highest purpose. Paul says that's how the body of Christ is. And we have this responsibility. And so Paul says, not only rethink your being in light of his being, but rethink your being as part of his body. Rethink your being as part of the body of Jesus. And this is where even this part can get skewed. We can often do what happened at the beginning of season four of Friday Night Lights. Have you seen Friday Night Lights? Okay, well, you're about to see Friday Night Lights, okay? This is often what happens in the way we approach thinking about our parts in the body. Take a look. Position you want to play? Quarterback. What are you going out for? Let's go, next. Oh, I'm probably going out for quarterback. All right, what position do you want to play? Quarterback. 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 I'm the quarterback. All right, we found our quarterback, gentlemen. Step off. Next. You want to be the quarterback? We often want to be the quarterback. And Paul says, don't slip into glory for us mode again. Don't, don't slip into that. Because a body can't be made, a football team can't be made of all quarterbacks. And a body can't be made of all the same part. He says, if you want to know your part, he continues on. <clears throat> he says, we have different gifts in, in verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What is your gift? I don't mean how many words a minute you can type or how fast you can run, but what is the spiritual gift that God put inside of you? What is it? Because in order for one of those values, as we've talked about who we are as a church, is the body. It's the body. And we need the body to function at its highest capacity. And God says, I do that. I give my spirit and I give gifts of the spirit to help the body, to make the body function at its highest, highest possibility, uh, potential. So what is your gift? See, there should be an urgency in us to know our spiritual gifting and not just for us to know our spiritual gifting, but to help one another discover it. What is our gifting? You know what Paul says? Your gifting is the place that God's going to bring glory. It's, it's that place out of our gifting that he's going to bring his glory. That, that's why whenever we put our faith in Jesus, we can never say we're just anything and minimize it. He says, no, whatever your gifting is, wherever you are, that will be your act of worship. That will be your place and way of serving the body of Christ. 
because the purpose, our highest purpose is to use up this body to build up his body. So we give from our gifting, which means we've got to know our gifting. Some in here, you may know it and some may not. Can I, let me throw a few questions to help you, help you maybe start thinking a little bit. First question, what gives you joy? What gives you joy? Right now on Netflix, there's a woman named Marie Kondo who is like the most popular woman on earth right now. And she wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And there was one question that she asked throughout the book. As you go through your house, pick an item up and say, does it bring me joy? Does it bring me joy? I tried it and threw so much out of the house. It was amazing, all right? But we should be Marie Kondoing our lives. What brings me joy? What gives me joy? Another question for you. What would you do for free? Some of you are like, next point, I'm already there, Nathan. I'm already there. What would you do for free? What is that thing, what is that area in life that no matter what, all day long, you would do it for free, whether there was a paycheck there or not. Number three, what do people notice in you? When I was 18 years old, somebody said, Nathan, do you wanna, do you wanna share with the high school group? Do you just wanna teach them one time? Because you're an encourager, and I want you to teach. And it was awful. It was absolutely terrible. And yet I went, you know what? I, I kept hearing that echo throughout the years. Nathan, you're a teacher and you're an encourager. So what do people notice in you? Have we written that stuff down? Do you see a holy pattern there? Number four, what burdens you? What burdens you? What is that thing that when, when you see it, you just go, that, that could change? If you want to drill down on this question a little bit, there's, there's another way of asking this. What do you find yourself complaining about? I mean, I mean, there are times that we just need to check our hearts and stop complaining. But you know what God says? If there's something that burdens you so much that you're complaining about, what if I put you there not to bring the complaint, but to understand how people feel so that I can use you to fix it? That's just four questions to get started. There are many times, there are spiritual gifts tests out there. I, I believe we've got a couple on our website that you could use. But I believe the key to any of this is asking God to renew our minds. Whether it's answering those four questions, whether it's taking a test and saying, Lord, renew my mind. Because even a spiritual gifts test, I can take with my own glory in mind. Renew my mind. Go to people that will pray for you, that trust you, to speak to you about the results of that test, or to sit with you as we take that test. Live in community with people, as we talked about last week, so that they can speak into it as well. Because as we talk about the mission and the direction of this church, that this would be a place where people connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. You want to know where God is going to use you and include you in that? That gifting. It's in that gifting. And so not only do we have a responsibility to know our, our gifting and our function and to help one another discover it, but we have another responsibility. Two more verses that Paul gives in Romans. He, he really refers to how. 
How do we go about living with this gift that he's given us? Verse nine. Love must be sincere. That is my motives. When I show up to give, to use up this body, to build up his body, what are my motives? Can we be sincere? He continues in that same verse, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. There ought to be no room for the tearing down of anybody and their giftings in here. In the body of Christ, there's no room for that. And so let us cling to the good that we see him bringing through one another. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. You know, as I read that, I just couldn't stop thinking about the persistence with which the body of Christ uses the gifting. Can we give it time? Can we give it time to discover our giftings? Can we give it time to use our giftings? But a lot of times, if we don't see a result and if we don't see, honestly, maybe our glory in something, it's real easy to quit. It's really easy to quit. I think about all the people that is... <laughs> I, I've started a lot of nap times in junior high and high school through the years with the teaching, okay? But the people who walked next to me over and over and over, there was a devotion to one another, to allow one another the time, to really allow God the time to develop the giftings. And finally, <clears throat> honor one another above yourselves. See, this is not just about discovering our own gifting, but it's about honoring the giftings of one another. That means at any point that I think, ah, I, I don't want to go support that. I don't want to be part of that. Honestly, you know who we're robbing is ourselves. There are people you can look all over this church, throughout this body, that God is using to express their gifting it's from him, it's through him, and it's for him. And we need to honor that. We all need to honor that. Because as Paul says, we need to use up this body, this body during our time here on earth, use up this body to build up Jesus' body. And we give from our gifting. 22 years ago, 23 years ago, I walked through the doors of this church. This building was not here yet. 22 years ago, the construction of this building right here was completed. And I received what would become one of my first jobs ever in life. I became a, uh, I like to call it a janitorial engineer, okay? And what happened was I was in charge of cleaning this foyer right out here in these bathrooms right here. And you got to understand, I mean, I was, I was like two years old at that time because I'm only 25 right now. No, I... Um, no. Yeah, I was 16 years old, and I remember it was one of the first times I had ever spoken to Dave Beatty. I'm sitting in his office with him, and he hands me this key. And he said, this key will get you through the front doors and into the janitor closet. And then whatever he said next, I don't remember, because I'm holding this key in my hands, and I just went, <laughs> And then he, he kept talking, and he came back around, and he said, and you'll get $25 every time you clean the foyer in the bathrooms, and I heard $25, mwah! And he said, and you are in charge of that space. That means what you say go, goes. And I went, mwah, ah, 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 power, 
power. And yet, you want to know what was incredible about it? I was terrible at cleaning. I was absolutely terrible. You know how many meetings Dave Beatty had to have with me to say, that's not how we clean? Nathan, it's not how we clean. It, it, it was awful. My wife is now thankful for all those conversations all these years later because I've learned how to clean. No, nope, she's shaking her head no. Okay. Um, <laughs> but what I loved about it was that I got an opportunity, the encourager in me, as people just walked through during the week to talk to people. And honestly, something that should have taken me an hour and a half took me probably four hours because I got to talk with people. Because do you want to know what God has gifted you for? Well, he's gifted you for his glory, but he happens to put you in the context of being with people. He says, I want to bring my glory through you for other people to see, so that people would see his glory. And that was the incredible part of being in that position, is that it was an opportunity to give from my gifting. Would you consider that deep inside of you, God has given you a key? And it is a key that will unlock not just your purpose, but something far greater. It will unlock your opportunity to worship, and it will unlock his glory, and it will unlock the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And so let us seek to use up this body, to build up his body, and give from our gifting. As the worship team comes up to close us, let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are a God who in light of your grand plan and the depth of the riches of your wisdom and knowledge, we thank you for, as Paul pointed us to at the beginning of Romans 12, your mercy, that you would look at us and say, I know you ran to glorify other things, but I want to have mercy because I have a purpose for you. And so thank you that you have given us a role. You've given us a part in your body to bring about your glory. Write that on our hearts, open our eyes, show us, give us conversations, give us opportunities to discover that gifting and the strength to carry it out and honor it in one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.